0: Now, what is the G20 summit? It is a a meeting of essentially the most powerful nations in the world. And given Klaus Schwab's previous comments about infiltrating the cabinets and the governments of these nations, I think it's pretty safe to say that he's there hobnobbing with a lot of people who directly learn from him. Now, once again, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Red Pill News. I hope you guys are having a lovely day. Now, things are a little bit dicey this afternoon. We're going to be discussing in today's episode the case of two apparent errant missiles coming from Russia and meant for Ukraine. The only problem is that they struck NATO member Poland. Now, this represents a major escalation in the war between these two nations because now It's all going to be dependent upon what NATO and the NATO member nations decide they're going to do in retaliation. You know, I thought that the terror attacks on Russian infrastructure was bad, but I have to be honest with you, this is a lot worse. So we're going to be taking a look at that and a couple of other additional things. So do me a favor, sit back, relax, grab your popcorn, and we'll be right back after this. All right, my friends, welcome back. Thank you for sticking around. So we have to begin today by talking about this report that a couple of Russian missiles struck a Polish town right near the border of Ukraine. Now, this might have been something that could have been ignored, but two people were killed in this missile strike. Earlier today, we got the report from a number of United States-based news services, such as the AP that these two Russian missiles, and they knew from the beginning that it was Russian missiles, hit this Polish town of Prezewodow. This is near that border with Ukraine. Two people died. And of course, what is really disturbing about this is that Poland is a NATO nation. They are a big supporter of Ukraine because they're right there on the border. And obviously Poland was formerly part of the uh, USSR. So they were behind the Iron Curtain. After the fall of communism, they were very happy to have their own government and to, uh, not be under the thumb of anybody else. So the AP reports that a U.S. official with knowledge of the situation says that they know that these are Russian missiles. Senior U.S. intelligence official says Russian missiles crossed into NATO member Poland, killing two people. So that would indicate that the United States has actionable intelligence that would let them know these were definitely missiles coming out of Russia. Now, we know that the United States and probably every other nation on the face of the planet has very sophisticated missile tracking capabilities. So if these were in fact Russian missiles they could probably prove that pretty easily and i'm sure that they would make the case for it but again because this is a nato member nation it really complicates things because at the end of the day do we want to go to war do we want to be involved in a full scale military conflict between russia and the rest of the world now i think it's arguable that some people in the united states government and in other nato nations throughout the world they are pushing for that to happen but if that happens then we would literally be looking at world War three. Now, some people not worried about it at all. They say there's no way that they would ever allow Russia to go to thermonuclear war with the rest of the world. But what I'm concerned about is uh, the fact that they're posturing about it at all. This should seem like a ridiculous proposition in our modern world. We should not need to go to world war in the way that we have in the past, especially considering the sophisticated nature of the weapons that we have, uh, the incredible damage that they could do. However, trust me, there will always be people out there who believe that war is a viable option and it's something that we should do. So I, the reason I kept stressing uh, that uh, everybody is uh, you know, very confident that these are Russian missiles from the very beginning is because there was a, a public ongoing missile strike with Russia sending shells into Ukraine to disable portions of their electrical grid and their ability to produce energy. So there is plausible reasoning to ascertain that these might be Russian missiles, but we haven't seen the proof yet. However, people like Charles Lister uh, and other mainstream media journalists are, are saying that unequivocally, Russia's missile assault on Ukraine saw these missiles land in NATO state Poland, killing two Polish civilians on a farm. Now, Poland, for their part, has called a national security meeting. They're certainly wanting the global community to take a look at this. But this is the biggest fear of anyone that is over there in Europe. Uh, this is the biggest fear of anybody who's paying attention to this. Because this is truly an event that could lead to full scale war between Russia and the rest of the world. Now, he continues questions understandably swirling around tonight's missile impact in Poland. Now, munitions ID analysts have been taking a look at the wreckage from this missile, and they say that it has a resemblance to an S 300 SAM. But officials from the United States, Latvia, and Estonia have attributed this to Russian missiles specifically. Let's go ahead and take a look at these missile parts. So, getting a closer look here, we can see a certain resemblance to a part of a motor section of a 5V55 series missiles used with the S300 SAM systems here. In that case, this may be the remains of a Ukrainian AD missile, or perhaps that plus the cruise missile it intercepted. However, this is not an ID at this time. We can take a look right here. We'll note that the remnants here look somewhat like an S-300 missile, like a 5V-55K or whatnot. Compare these images with past remnants we've seen in Ukraine. Now, you can take a look at the lip right there with the uh, punch holes going around the edge to the actual missile that was photographed in Poland that U.S. officials and others in NATO are claiming is Russian, but it also appears that there is some level of plausible deniability despite the fact that Russia had that ongoing missile strike And if this is a Ukrainian missile, perhaps this could be an effort by the Ukrainian government or elements within the Ukrainian military to convince the international community that this was truly a Russian strike, and that would give the NATO members a reason to go to war against Russia. Now, what's also very strange about this is that just yesterday, Volodymyr Zelensky had suggested that Ukraine is ready for peace talks. This is the first time he said he is willing to sit down and truly hammer out some peace here so that Russia and the Ukraine can uh, go back to daily business as usual, maybe exporting energy, exporting human trafficking and drugs if you're in Ukraine. Uh, But this would really put a damper on the proposed peace talks. So it just appears to be some very suspicious timing let's say Zelensky truly is ready for peace talks. He announces that publicly. And then somebody else within his government, or perhaps somebody acting on behalf of another nation that would be in Ukraine, decides to launch these missiles, which would then hit Poland on the very outskirts. Maybe they were thinking they wouldn't kill anybody, but unfortunately there were a couple of poor farmers there. Or let's say that Zelensky was never being genuine about asking for peace talks. And perhaps it was just a ruse because they knew they were going to produce this false flag attack, blaming it on Russia, because now it looks like Russia is attacking Ukraine immediately after they're asking for a little bit of mercy, kind of cold-blooded. Well, this would give the NATO nations uh, the reason they need to unify against Russia, and perhaps they could take Russia out for good. Now, When it comes to the evidence of these missile strikes, those comparisons to those uh, S-300 SAMs, that's uh, a pretty good reason to step back and say, hey, we don't know for certain what's happening. Now, although sources familiar with the matter in the AP article had suggested that, yes, this is definitely a Russian missile strike, the U.S. military and the Pentagon have actually come out and said that we don't have any specific evidence. He says, I can tell you that we don't have any information at this time to corroborate those reports and are looking into this further. Now, this is Air Force Brigadier General Patrick Ryder. He was speaking, of course, after that initial report that had come out in the AP. He says they have no No information to corroborate and they are looking into it. I can only hope that they look into it very, very closely. Because the last thing anyone wants is a full-scale war between the entirety of NATO and Russia. That is something that would cause mass casualties. That would be a tremendous loss of life. It would cause another uh, migration influx coming out of Europe and into other nations. It would just be terrible for everyone. And the Washington Examiner lays it out right here as to why this is such a tenuous situation and why this would be considered a major escalation. So this apparent missile strike really has put everybody over there in Europe and everyone aligned with NATO on edge. They say that at least one missile now, not two, appears to have killed those two Polish citizens. This was in... Prewoda on Tuesday, so where is Prewodo it 's on the Polish border with ukraine it 's about forty two miles from the Ukrainian city of l'viv, where certainly missiles probably would have been sent in if they were hoping to hit their electrical grid or aspects of their infrastructure however forty two miles is pretty far off course. Uh, for Russian missiles, which are generally considered to be fairly accurate. So if they were actually attempting to hit Lviv, then you would imagine those those missiles would go right there. They wouldn't be going so far off course. That veering, if they are Russian missiles, makes it appear as if Russia intentionally sent them into Poland. Now, this is about a hundred miles from the nearest Russian launch areas in Belarus, more than five hundred miles from the bases they have in Crimea. It also looks like there was a successful detonation of a warhead based upon the crater that's there. This means that this is not the result of a Ukrainian air defense intercept that sent debris going into Poland. Uh, this is uh, another argument for the fact that it was a missile. It got sent in it blew up itself, however. Despite that fact, it's still a possibility that this could be the result of Ukrainian air defense missile failure, which would have caused that air defense missile to explode and detonate inside Poland. Now, The entire context of the situation is very relevant as well because there's been a lot of escalation in Russia talking in recent months about stopping convoys of weapons that are coming through Poland into Ukraine, and Russia has targeted them in the past. So the Polish seem to think that based upon those warnings from Russia and Vladimir Putin, this could have been somewhat of a preemptive strike to stop Poland from allowing those weapons to go through their territory and into Ukraine. Now, as I said at the beginning, with the missile defense, defense systems that are in place, Poland has U.S. air bases there. So they have sensors that are set up to detect whether there are Russian air missiles coming into Poland, going into other nations. And so this information is going to be crucial in the coming day or so to determine whether or not those missiles actually originated in Russia. Poland, as a member state of NATO, can trigger that Article Five mutual defense commitment at any time in the event of an attack. So if they can prove that this was a Russian premeditated attack on Poland, even if it was not premeditated, and they really did just go off course, well, then that would give NATO and Poland the ability to request all available defenses, every single inch of defenses that we as a NATO nation or any other nation such as Germany or the UK are beholden to as a result of Article 5. That would cause the triggering of U.S. military support. We would then be sending troops and weapons and tanks directly to be manned by us, over there to Russia and Ukraine, and it would significantly increase the possibility for a full-scale thermonuclear war, which, of course, is nothing that we want to see.
1: The Schwab Fellows. But there are two countries in the world now in which the young global leaders have emerged. Tell us just a bit about that and, and in terms of the governance. Yes. Um, actually, this um, notion to integrate young leaders... Uh, is part of the World Economic Forum since many years. And I have to say, um, when I mention now names like Mrs. Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, president of, pres- of uh, Argentina and so on. Of course, if we look at all the challenges, we can speak about a multi-crisis—an economic, a political, a social, and ecological, and institutional crisis. But actually, what we have to confront is a deep, systemic, and structural restructuring of our world, and this will take some time, and the world will look differently after we have gone through this transition process. Politically, the driving forces for this political transformation, of course, is the transition into a multipolar world which has a tendency to make our world much more fragmented. And for these reasons, events like this one, the G twenty, and so on are the very important connectors to avoid a too great segmentation
0: Now, I placed those two clips together uh, of a man who needs no introduction, Klaus Schwab, Uh, to exemplify the power structure that now currently exists in this world. In the first clip, he's bragging about infiltrating the cabinets and the prime minister and leadership seats of a number of different governments across the globe with graduates of the World Economic Forum's Young Leaders Program to now, today, being a presenter and speaking at the G20 Summit. Now, what is the G20 Summit? It is a, a meeting of essentially the most powerful nations in the world. And given Klaus Schwab's previous comments about infiltrating the cabinets and the governments of these nations, I think it's pretty safe to say that he's there hobnobbing with a lot of people who directly learn from him. Now, Klaus is talking about this very different world. Obviously, this is the idea of his Great Reset, where we will own nothing and be happy. And he's also talking about the need for a multipolar world. So rather than one nation that is at the top of the heap, as the United States has been, in years past, that would be essentially a number of very powerful countries that kind of share that power structure. But the only problem is that somebody always sits atop of the pyramid. And if Klaus Schwab is the guy putting all the ideas into the leaders of these nations heads, I tend to believe that the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab himself would be the one sitting atop that pyramid. Now, some people think that Klaus Schwab is uh, maybe a puppet for somebody else. Since he's a public figure, there's got to be somebody else pulling the strings behind the scenes. I don't know. I don't know whether or not that's the case, but I'll tell you this. It sure looks like Klaus Schwab is wielding a massive amount of power speaking today at the G20 summit. Now, you know who else is there? is Bill Gates. Bill Gates, of course, has it all locked up with vaccines and medicine being very closely aligned with much of the activities that we've seen over the last couple of years. Now, you put together Klaus Schwab's desire for a complete reset of humanity, uh, Bill Gates's desire for the depopulation of the world and forced vaccinations, and I think you've got the monetary and the health policy all wrapped up into one. So Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab perhaps are going to have their own power-sharing agreement If the great reset actually commences. Now, one thing that I thought was very interesting, he said, what we have to confront is a deep systemic and structural restructuring of our world. And I have to say that, Klaus, I tend to agree with you there. We do need to address this systemic and structural restructuring of the world because currently it's not working for most people. The only thing that we disagree on is the reasons why and how we get there. I think people like Klaus Schwab and the other leaders of the G20 tend to blame the people of their nations. But the people of their nations are definitely blaming the leaders of those nations. I think we need a deep systemic cleaning of the cabal members that are running these countries all around the globe and the World Economic Forum graduates that have populated their cabinets. That's where the problems arise because we want our freedom. We want our liberty. We want the ability to own property and we want the ability to freely associate all of these things speech movement, uh, freedom from unnecessary search and seizure, uh, the ability to own your own property and make your own money, all of these are things that would go away necessarily Under the tenets of the Great Reset. So, kind of an interesting situation. You have to also think that with this uh, stuff going on over there between Ukraine and Russia, with the G20 summit actually taking place in the midst of that, they're probably talking about what's going on there. One very important thing to note is that Vladimir Putin did not attend the G20 this time around. And I have to think that's probably something to do with the animosity between the global community and Russia at this point. Uh, we don't know if it's related to anything other than that. I know there has been some talk about uh, Vladimir Putin's health being uh, waning. I think they've also uh, said some things in the in the press publicly about Sergei Lavrov and his health. But the Russians have come out and said that that's absolutely fake news. But at this point, with Russia not being at the G20 summit, this presents an opportunity for all these other nations to kind of dictate the terms of what's happening between Russia and Ukraine, because together they have a lot more collective bargaining power and a lot more military power than Russia does on its own. Something to keep an eye on. All right. And earlier today, it looks like despite that memo that was floating around suggesting that President Trump might be put up as Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy has, in fact, been elected as the Republican nominee in a 188 to 31 vote. Now, this is going to have to go to a full vote of the House, and it looks like Kevin McCarthy is probably going to make it, considering the fact that we have a uh, majority there in the House. Uh, I can't imagine anybody voting for Liz Cheney or voting for any of the Democrats. Certainly the majority of us— That's the only thing that's going to make a difference is the people on the right who vote for them. Uh, We also are going to have the election for majority leader. Looks like that might be Steve Scalise. Then we also have the majority whip, uh, which is still up for grabs. Nobody is uh, being put forward for that yet. Uh, But, you know, most people that are paying attention don't care for Kevin McCarthy. I know that a couple of people have come out recently and supported him. Uh, I think I'm about done with Kevin McCarthy. I don't have any reason to support him at this point, especially after what he did to J.R., but let's go through this list. Number one, Kevin McCarthy said we are not going to impeach Joe Biden. He has come out on a number of occasions saying that the Republicans will not impeach Joe Biden. Why not? The Democrats had no problem doing it twice to President Trump. He had done nothing wrong. Joe Biden is a criminal and a usurper. He does not deserve to sit in the office he holds currently. Kevin McCarthy also recommended that President Trump resign after January 6th. The only people who died at January 6th were Trump protesters. Nancy Pelosi should have been the one resigning after January 6th. He also lied about it. Kevin McCarthy spent millions of dollars to defeat pro-Trump Republicans in past races. And in this most recent race, he neglected through the NRCC to support the candidates we needed to get supported with buys for ads and radio spots. The whole thing should have been a lock. But of course, they didn't support our House candidates in the America first races. Then we have Kevin McCarthy after the 2020 election saying, I don't think anybody is questioning the legitimacy of the election. It's over with. Kevin McCarthy must be absolutely tone deaf and not paying attention to what's happening in America because getting close to 70 percent of the nation believe that something wasn't right with the 2020 election. We do not. We do question the legitimacy of it. Kevin, you need to open your eyes and open your ears. Then we also had that move where he was trying to push rhino Tim Scott for president. He also blamed President Trump for the January 6th event. That was not his fault. We also had him voting with Democrats to outsource U.S. jobs. You're an American representative. Represent America. And then Kevin McCarthy was also directly involved in the sabotaging of Madison Cawthorne so that he wouldn't get reelected. As far as I'm concerned, there's no reason to support Kevin McCarthy for Speaker of the House. But then again... I'm not a representative. All right. And finally, this is uh, an example of when we truly get the justice that we're hoping for. Uh, After getting convicted of raping a number of women in New York, Harvey Weinstein, who's currently serving, I think, a 23 year sentence in prison, is on trial again, only this time in L.A., And you'll never guess, but the wife of Governor Gavin Newsom, Jennifer Siebel Newsom, testified today against Harvey Weinstein, and she said that he has a deformed penis. This is uh, some riveting testimony, very graphic, but I just wanted to say that it's uh, very unflattering about Harvey Weinstein. They asked him to describe, they asked her to describe his body, and she said lots of bruises markings, yellow and green, lots of stretch marks on his belly, not very physically fit at all that he looked uncircumcised and strange, though kind of fish-like, that's describing his member, Uh, something was also distorted about his testicles, lots of skin, lots of skin down there, uh, saying that he was deformed and unable to perform, and so it was a very awkward situation. Now, of course, Harvey Weinstein has victimized a number of women, and I am so glad to hear that he is getting his just desserts, I truly believe Harvey Weinstein is going to die in prison. Because once he's get on with his 23 years in New York, if he survives, I bet you they're going to stack this time from Los Angeles on top of that as well. Uh, but it goes to show you that nobody is immune from the type of sexual assaults that we see in Hollywood, even the first lady of the governor of California. Now, Harvey Weinstein's lawyer, this was in very poor taste. He said the wife of Governor Newsom, she's the first partner of California. She's made herself a prominent victim in the Me Too movement. Otherwise, she'd be just another bimbo who slept with Harvey Weinstein to get ahead in Hollywood. I don't think that's going to sit too well with the jurors. I'm sure that's the kind of thing that's going to get back to them. Harvey Weinstein, you deserve everything you've got coming to you. And even though Jennifer Siebel Newsom is a Democrat, my heart goes out to you. All right, my friends, thanks for tuning in. As always, this has been Red Pill 78. My name is Zach Payne, the corruption detector, and this was another edition of Red Pill News. Good luck, everyone, and God bless.